0: You know, I went through a phase when I was much younger where I was very jealous um, quite frequently of my friends' successes, and I am really glad that, for the most part, that is not so much the case anymore. Um, Of course, I have jealousy here and there professionally. I think I wouldn't be human if I didn't sometimes, but for the most part, I just so happy for my friends and I think celebrating other people is also a great muscle to to develop and work on that was Esme Jun Wang
1: and you're listening to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette episode 202 welcome to Real Talk Radio with Nicole Antoinette that's me the podcast that's filled with refreshingly honest conversations about the wonderful mess of being human This month, we are celebrating having reached the 200th episode of Real Talk Radio, although I guess we are now a couple of episodes past that, but our theme this month is celebration, milestones and celebration, and we've had three favorite past guests back to the show to talk about their own stories and experiences with change and celebration and marking important milestones in their lives. This is just my little way of celebrating the body of work that we've created here together on this 100% listener-funded show. Can you believe that, that we've created more than 200 episodes using a listener-funding model that allows all of the guests to get paid? It's one of the things that I'm the most proud of about this work. If you believe in that mission as well, of bringing more honest conversations into the world and in paying everyone involved for their time, energy, and expertise, I would love to invite you to join our 400 plus person Patreon community over at patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. If you love this show, if it makes you laugh, think, and feel less alone, and if you want to get to know a wonderful group of kind, like-minded people, then that's exactly what you'll find by joining our Patreon community. One more time, it's patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette. I would love to have you. And in the meantime, let's just get right into today's episode. Today, you'll get to meet Esme Weijun Wang. Esme is the author of a New York Times best selling essay collection, The Collected Schizophrenia's, and a novel, The Border of Paradise, both of which have been critically acclaimed. Born in the Midwest to Taiwanese parents, Esme lives in San Francisco and can be found at EsmeWang.com, where she provides resources for ambitious people living with limitations. In this episode, she shares stories of her own milestones and celebrations, and we dig into a conversation about jealousy, defining success for yourself, and why it is so important to separate the celebration of the process from that of the outcome or the accolades. I loved having Esme back on the show, and I hope that you enjoy it just as much. All of that starts in just a moment, and as always, you'll be able to find all the links and resources mentioned in this episode over in the show notes at realtalkradio.podcast.com. All right, we are rolling. Esme, welcome back to the show. Hi, thanks so much for having me again. Like every two to three years, we should just, you know, do an interview. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, catch up, see what's happening. Probably a lot. I don't know that we could fit everything that's happened in the last three years in our lives <laughs> into this conversation. <laughs> but it's uh it's good to, not that I need an excuse to talk to you, but it's good to have an excuse to talk to you again. Um, our conversations have been some of my favorites in the body of work of this show. And now that this month we're celebrating, reaching the two hundredth episode. I'm glad to have you here to get to talk about
0: some milestones and big and small in your own life. Yeah, um, a lot has changed, I think. But right before we started uh, recording, I had asked you when the last time we talked was, um, or like when the last interview was, and you told me it was in 2017 and I, um, it kind of took me back because so much has changed. I mean, so much has changed in your life and so much has changed in my life as well. And so, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to kind of talking about these milestones and celebrations. Mm-hmm.
1: One of the, I guess, relatively superficial things that has changed that I would love to ask you about, I am totally obsessed with your beautiful blue hair. Will you tell me about the decision to do <laughs> that?
0: Yeah. So I, um, as, uh, some people may know, I have a pixie platinum, um, haircut. Uh, normally, my hair is naturally black, but I um, I mean, normally go and get my hair done every month and it's this real kind of ordeal. But I love having platinum hair. The thing is that after the shelter in place uh, was put into place in March, I realized that I was not going to be able to get my hair done, um, and so for a while. And I kind of anticipated that the shelter in place might last for quite a while, maybe even till the end of the year. It could be until next year. Who knows? Um, and so, not only that, but I I kind of wanted to have a different look. I mean, after President Trump was elected, my partner decided to grow a beard, and so that was his his kind of decision to look to have a look that was very different. And so my pandemic look uh, was to dye my hair this kind of extreme teal blue. And it kind of serves two different purposes. One, it kind of marks my appearance as being different during this time of the pandemic. And two, it hides my roots a lot better than the platinum hair does. And so I actually just dyed my roots last week, but I just dyed the whole thing blue again. But again, uh, on a very practical level, it's so much easier to get away with having the root out, outgrowth when you have blue hair as opposed to a platinum hairdo. (laughs) Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean that, that, like you said, practically makes a lot of sense. Do you feel like that pairing of, uh, like a change in your life or like living through a particularly different period of time is something that you often like, do you often pair that together with like a more outward change or does this feel like the first time for you to do that?
0: Yeah. So um, this is something that I talk about in my last book, the collected schizophrenias, but I tend to, um, I have a I have a Taurus moon in my astrological chart. My I tend to um, aesthetics are really important to me, and so I I also tend to wear my appearance like armor and um, another thing I've done is kind of chosen this uh, perfume that this new perfume to wear during this time and so it's kind of I'm kind of associating this time with this particular perfume and uh, Fiona Apple also released her new album which is um, an album that has been long awaited and her last album came out quite a while ago and so Fetch the Bolt Cutters which is our new album is also kind of the soundtrack to the pandemic in my mind and so for me it's kind of like putting a box around this period of time and kind of assign and assigning it this soundtrack and this scent and this aesthetic and I know that maybe Uh, Because this is kind of a traumatizing time and there's a lot of grieving that's going on. Um, There's a lot of grief going on associated with the pandemic and trauma. Um, I might not want to return to these things in the future. Like there are still things that are aesthetically associated with the period of time in which I was extremely ill a number of years ago and you know, that extended for years, where I am still kind of, uh, I find very difficult to be in certain kinds of weather, or when the air feels a certain way, just certain aesthetics, to to tie certain aesthetics to certain kinds of emotional states, I think is kind of dangerous, and also kind of interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And so maybe in the future, I'll I won't want to have blue hair for a while if, you know, we hopefully will find a time that is after this pandemic, after this is over. Or maybe I won't want to listen to Fiona Apple's new album for a long time because it will remind me of this sad and scary time. Um, But for now, like I said, I'm kind of building this box, this bubble where I have these things that are like a nest that I find comfort in and that I'm kind of um, kind of nesting in.
1: Yeah. I'm a Taurus moon also, so we have that in common. Uh-huh. <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> um, I am really interested in the idea that you're describing of sort of creating that box or that container, you know, with an aesthetic or with, you know, like you said, chosen music or a scent or something, doing that on purpose, because I think it's a really common experience to almost like retroactively associate, let's say a certain song with a certain period of time, right? Whether it's a breakup or, you know, I I think everyone has had the experience of, you know, a certain song comes on that you haven't heard in, you know, 10 years and it immediately drops you back into whatever was happening at that time, whether that's like a joyous thing or, you know, something that is filled with grief. And so, right, like that makes sense. And sometimes those associations happen, even though you didn't ask for them, right? It's not, I didn't necessarily sit down and say, okay, the soundtrack of my breakup is going to be, you know, my heartbreak. Mm and but i'm interested in in almost this like slightly altered version that you're describing of kind of what benefits can come from doing it on purpose like i think about it almost like the idea of like an incoming self or like stepping into an identity of if i want to be a woman who xyz okay like what are her habits or what are things that she likes almost like trying something else on i know that's not exactly what you're talking about in relation to the pandemic but there's something about that that i like the idea of I don't know, like playing with some of these different aesthetics as, a, as an entrance point into maybe a different way of being or feeling.
0: Yeah, like I kind of think of it as deliberate programming uh, is the phrase that kind of came to mind as I was right after I talked to you about that. And so um, another example of this uh, that is not associated with the pandemic, but that is associated with, say, perfume, is there is a, a journalist and writer, Rachel Syme, um who does this thing called perfume genie which is this absolutely brilliant thing that she does on social media and twitter in particular where you know for you know she'll open it up at a totally random time where she'll say for the next hour I'll be doing perfume genie and so put in your requests and what she is looking for is for you to send her a tweet or to tweet at her like a description of um like the feeling that you want from a perfume so what i uh what i sent her for the perfume that i wanted was something like I want a perfume that makes me feel like I've just been freshly fucked at the Ritz Paris um, upstairs, and I've come downstairs, and I'm I'm enjoying a strong martini, and I'm wearing a silk slip dress with a fur stole at the bar. And... (laughs) That's amazing, by (laughs) the way. I'm sorry. (laughs) I... The best thing I've ever heard. And so she was like, oh. okay, this is the perfume you should wear to feel like that. And so that was, uh, and then she told me, and then, so I got the perfume and so I've been wearing it like every day. Like that's my perfume that I've been wearing during this pandemic. <laughs> Um, but she's done perfume genie before. It's a really amazing service. Like I, I really feel like this is a really brilliant act of service that she does. Oh and God. so the one that I asked for before, I can't remember the the one I asked for before, but it was it had much more to do with like strength and like feeling brilliant and like feeling like a genius. And she gave me this perfume that uh, is no longer. Being made, but um, I kind of hoarded like a number of bottles of it. And so, for the last couple of like really big awards ceremonies I've gone to, where I've won things, or um, when I've gone to like really special um, events, um, I've worn this perfume deliberately because I want to associate that smell with feeling really powerful and confident and so it kind of is this um cycle uh, like chicken and egg thing where I feel confident because I'm wearing this perfume but I also start to associate the perfume with feeling confident and so you know uh now I I wear that perfume and it reminds me of all the times I've worn it before um at these times that were really special and confidence boosting.
1: Yeah, that perfume genie. <laughs> I mean, I don't know if the tweet threads and stuff are still up, but I will tell you that no one will ever Google anything faster than I will about that when we get off this call <laughs> because I'm very interested in that. Um, I, I really enjoy her work in general. So that is it's fun to know about. And yeah, I, I'm, I'm taking a lot of comfort in this reminder that We do have, I mean, obviously not ultimate control and power over our circumstances. Of course not. And also that doesn't mean that we are powerless. So being able to even have that reminder that you can deliberately uh, at least influence your mood somewhat or put yourself in a certain headspace or all the things that you just said, I find actually that that's comforting. The reminder that, I don't know, it's not just this like completely random, I only feel confident by accident. Uh, th- th- I don't know. And maybe that's just like me wanting to grasp for some like illusion of control. And if so, that's whatever, I guess, but there is something in what you're saying that I, it feels like a, uh, like a, a sigh of relief to me. <laughs>
0: Yeah, I mean, I feel like people or I hear about people who do other versions of this, you know, all the time, like people who play a certain song when they want to feel more confident before like a big interview, or people who, um, yeah, I think music is a really common one, you know, like people who will play, like, I will survive, like right before like a big interview, or like right before a big performance, or um, I was listening to an some interviews with lee pace and he would he was talking about um being in um various plays and how they would like blast like diana ross and adele and and stuff like that uh like backstage uh before performances and i think that that's just another version of like using a perfume like it's it's using your senses to kind of cultivate a. A certain attitude or sense. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah, absolutely. In general, what would you say are the types of things or events that you most often celebrate or mark as important? What feels? <laughs> what are the types of things that feel important to you?
0: I mean, i I tend to. I know that I find recognition. In particular, career recognition to be something that means a lot to me, and I, I, I do feel like that's something that has its advantages and disadvantages. Um, particularly because I don't really have control over that. You know, over the last few years, even since I last spoke to you, I've had some big career milestones that have been really exciting. Um, I was on the New York Times bestseller list for five weeks, and that was really wonderful. But that's also a kind of arbitrary thing that I – didn't really have much to do with i was on the today show i won the whiting award and uh got to go to this you know big ceremony in new york where tony morrison rest in peace was supposed to give the big opening speech um for that award ceremony. She wasn't able to because of a snowstorm. And so she wasn't able to make it, but it was, it was a big deal. And so there, I find that these kind of like rec- these forms of recognition um, career wise are important to me in terms of things that I, I tend to have a little bit more control over. It's just, you know, every day, the kind of doing the work, making sure that I, I'm able to find pleasure in turning a sentence, or um, you know, receiving messages from people who have been really moved by the work. I I've been traveling a lot more since my health has improved. And being able to meet people who are really affected by my work, in particular, this last book, which is an essay collection about my experiences with the schizophrenia and schizoaffective disorder in particular, that's been really, really meaningful. Um, Even though I, I never really saw myself as a nonfiction writer, it turns out that I think that book has meant the most. To the most people. And so, yeah, there there have been a lot of um, these kind of career markers that have meant a lot to me in the last few years. Mm
1: -hmm. Yeah. I think it's interesting the distinction that you're pointing out between, you know, the recognition that you ultimately can't control, right? Like we can, I guess, control the work that we do to some degree, but not how it's received ultimately. And there's there's something interesting in that that's, I don't know, I, I'm, I'm always nervous to put off my, cel- like if I put off celebrating myself for recognition or for the outcome, right? Like if the only thing that deserves the party is the New York Times bestseller list, right? First of all, it doesn't mean don't have the party for the New York Times bestseller list. It's, <laughs> it's like this nuanced thing where that can't be the The entirety of the celebration and the fulfillment can't be resting on just those things It's like withholding mm-hmm. the like i don't know like the markings and like the yeah, I mean I've used the word celebration a bunch of times, but like the celebration of this kind of stuff can't be reserved only for the outcomes
0: mhm, yeah, and i and that's why I think that the celebrations um are often the most meaningful when they can be linked to things that you do have control over. And things like, you know, reaching the 200th episode of your podcast, because that's something that you do have control over. Um, That's something that you have done. And that's that's amazing. And so I would like to think more about the things that I can celebrate. And I, I wish that I think that I would like to celebrate more. You know, I think I would like to celebrate more frequently. I don't think that celebrating more would necessarily leech celebration of its meaning. I think that celebrating more might bring more joy into my life. And I would like to celebrate more and with the people I love. I think that's something, too, that this pandemic and the sheltering in place has really brought to the fore for me, which is that I'm a huge introvert and I love spending time in solitude but I also love my friends and I love spending time one on one with my friends and I miss them and I am really grateful that we have Zoom and FaceTime and yesterday I watched this Netflix movie called The Half of It with my best friend and we watched it together through zoom and I was able to see her face and she was able to see my face as we were both watched this movie. And I cried and cried while watching this movie. And I cried so hard that I gave myself a headache. Um, But it was, it was such a good movie and it was such a gift to be able to watch it with my friend. But um, yeah, it reminded me of um, how, what a gift it is to be able to interact with with the people that I love. Um, yeah. And I miss that. I think one thing that I've been doing during the shelter in place is just making lists of things I want to do when it ends. Um,
1: yeah. 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 I can relate to a lot of that so much. You said, um, something that I'd love to dig into a little bit more deeply that you wish that you celebrated more, right. Or that you would love to celebrate more and Mm -hmm. that including more celebration doesn't, you know, necessarily make it less special. I think that can sometimes be like a, a little bit of a myth or a false belief of you know, only there are only a couple things that can be special, like either only a few things are special or nothing is special, right? That and I, I don't necessarily think that that's true, and so I'm interested to follow that thread a little bit. What are some things that you
0: would like to celebrate more regularly? I would like to celebrate other people more regularly, like I, um, I, you know, even people I don't know, I think that's something that. I could stand to do more often. You know, Colson Whitehead just won um, the Pulitzer for fiction again for the Nickel Boys. And he won the Pulitzer for the book that he wrote before the Nickel Boys, which was Underground Railroad, which is an amazing feat. And I would love to celebrate that. I don't know him He's not a friend of mine, but i I think that's just such an amazing thing for American letters. and it it makes me feel good about um, about literature and where American literature is. Um I want to celebrate my friends. and I love writing letters and making things to send to people. Um, I love. I love sending, I love making little like digital cards and sending them to friends. I and, um, I love being happy for people. I think that it's taken, you know, I went through a phase when I was much younger where I was very jealous um, quite frequently of my friends' successes. And I am really glad that for the most part, that is not so much the case anymore um of course I have jealousy here and there professionally I think I wouldn't be human if I didn't sometimes but for the most part I just I'm so happy for my friends and I think celebrating other people is also a great muscle to to develop and work Mm -hmm. on
1: yeah, I, I think so too. Do you have an idea of what you feel like has
0: contributed to a decrease in jealousy for you? I think just getting older, really, and just like realizing that it's so exhausting to be bitter and jealous. It's also helped that, you know, my own career has. I've realized that my own career has its own trajectory and I. I can seize, you know, a future in writing for myself. So, you know, even if my friend's career trajectory seems like it's skyrocketing in, in a different way or one that looks like it's much more outwardly successful, I feel like, um, well, you know, literature is not a sack race, which is something an old professor used to say, Um But yeah, I think that uh, jealousy is really exhausting. And also I think it took time for me to realize this, but so much of what my friends are doing or the people that I would feel jealous of, so much of what they were doing is not what I was doing or what I was trying to do. Like I would read their work and I would just think to myself like, we're just not doing the same thing. Like there I like not in a million years would I be trying to write something like this. This is just not in my wheelhouse. Not that I dislike it. It's just not something that I want to write. It's not something that I'm that I'm interested in. And so they can do this and I'll do my thing and Yeah. So we all have our own kind of tracks to be on.
1: Mm -hmm. I wonder too, if you you said before that one of the things that you would like to celebrate more is other people, whether you know them or not. I feel like that too is a wonderful, I don't know if antidote to jealousy, but that, I don't know, being able to name what been meaningful for you, right? You know, whether it's a book that had a profound impact or, you know, something that you, a a way in which you've seen a loved one grow that feels like really impactful, being able to name big and small things that you see as mattering. There's something in that that I feel like is really powerful.
0: Yeah. And like I said, there are just some things where I, I'm just like, I would not want to do a profile of Val Kilmer like that's not like that's cool that you're doing it but like I that's not that sounds terrifying like you know what I mean it's Mm -hmm. just like you know it's uh it turns out that's not what I want to do yeah
1: I mean it's I do think that the idea of Keeping your eyes on your own paper a little bit, right, or staying in your own lane, whichever like cliche phrase you want to use for this. That that is one of the layers of of this, right? Like being clear on this is the work that I want to do, whether that's actual professional work, right, or something more personal. And so I feel like that's potentially like the first layer of recognizing what what is and is not in your wheelhouse, as you said. And then I also think you know going back to something that you said before. This isn't the phrase that you used, but this sort of idea of like defining success for yourself or separating the process from the recognition. I've been reflecting on that even, you know, with this 200th episode, right. Of the podcast and having to pick through, you know, if, you know, the day that I started this show in 2015, if I had to sit down at that point and say, okay, what is a successful podcast? What does success look like in this, right? Is it, a certain number of downloads, a certain number of subscribers, a certain, like it's, you know, looking at those kind of metrics, is it a body of work of a certain size? Is it conversations I'm really proud of? And I think oftentimes our more full nuanced definition of success probably includes a bunch of that different stuff, but it it's interesting that I never set metric goals, right? I am trying to have X number of downloads, actually don't even know my stats metrics. I'm sure I could find it if I looked, but it's not something that I've really paid attention to. And so Okay, does 200 episodes land me where I thought that it would. Well, I didn't ever really pay attention to that. It is sort of interesting to dig into the ways in which we do and don't define success for ourselves. And I'm I'm interested if that's something you know, as you said, you've had um, quite a few professional milestones in the last few years, especially. Has there been a process for you of having to say, okay, what does success look like for me?
0: Yeah, and that actually came not myself but rather from talking to friends and talking to my therapist I think um this actually came from a writer I can't remember who and I can't remember the actual phrase that they use but um it it has to do with like what what is oh I think it's like something called like the measures of enoughness or something like that because you're right in that if you don't really tell yourself From the beginning, what enoughness is for you when you are beginning a project or beginning a journey or an endeavor, you can just be hungry forever because there will always be something else um, that you can reach for and you know this is like this is actually um, the one piece of advice that Danny Shapiro gave me when I came out with my first book which was a novel called The Border of Paradise I told her that I had this first book coming out and if she had one piece of advice to give me what would that be and she said well well, um, my one piece of advice is that you will never be satisfied and uh there will always be something more that you will want. You know, you'll get um, the on the bestseller list and then you'll want this award. And then if you get that award, you'll want this award. And then if you get that award, then you'll want to be on the Oprah book club. And then if you're on that, you know, there's just like on and on. So if you decide what enoughness is for you from the beginning, it's much easier to figure out how close you are to that enoughness or to decide what is important for you from the beginning. And I think that one of the things that I knew from the beginning that was really important for me for, for um, the collective schizophrenia is, which was different from what was important to me for the border of paradise actually. Um, was that I really wanted the collective schizophrenia to um, help people who were living with the schizophrenia themselves to feel less alone um, and to feel like they were seeing themselves in a book in a way that they had never seen before in other books written by people who were writing books more for loved ones of people with some form of schizophrenia or, um, for clinicians or, you know, et cetera. And if I, um, look at the collect schizophrenia from that point of enoughness, then I absolutely have reached that, and I continue to reach that all the time. Mm -hmm. And all of the other stuff, um, the kind of uh, metrics stuff, is really lanyap. So, um, yeah, uh, I think that also brings up another thing, which is that your metrics of enoughness will not necessarily be the same for every project. And that will also be important for me to think about because I'm working on another book as part of a two book deal that I signed at the end of last year. And so this next book is going to be a novel with a big publisher. Um, I've only worked with small publishers until now. And so this is going to be with like one of the big five and there will be different expectations. And so, uh, yeah, I'll have to think about what I, what I want for this next book. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. I was going to ask you if you have an idea of what that enoughness looks like, but from what you just said, it sounds like maybe for this project, you're not sure yet.
0: Yeah. I'm not sure yet. And I think I'll want to become more sure the closer I get to the end of writing it and I'll become more sure the closer I get to publication and et cetera.
1: Yeah. But I, I think it's a good reminder too, that you don't have to have, you know, crystal clear clarity in order to do the work, right? Or to start the project. I think sometimes that can be a trap of, well, if I don't know what success is going to look like, then I can't start. And that what you're speaking to is, well, no, you're, you're working on this. And maybe that idea of success or enoughness will clarify as you continue to move through the process. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. I guess stepping away from career stuff for a moment and thinking more about personal milestones, what's something in your personal life that you feel really proud of, or I mean, it can be, it can be a big thing or a small thing, something that you mark in a way it doesn't have to necessarily be celebration, but something that's more on the personal side.
0: I am happy that I'm seen as somebody who represents queer Asian American kind of chronic illness slash mental health disorder community. Some somebody um, who comes from that community and who uh, can can be seen as somebody who doesn't. Feel embarrassed to be talking about um, life as somebody who has a lot of markers and identifiers and is um, becoming more comfortable talking about those things all the time. And that's something I feel good about because I've been working on trying to feel more comfortable about those things over time, especially in the last few years as my platform has grown and as my perception in the public eye has grown. So I think that's that's one thing. Yeah, I, th- I
1: think that's a beautiful answer, especially because when we think about milestones, and maybe it, this is just like a function of that word specifically, it tends to I don't know, like pigeonhole my mind into thinking about specific occurrences, right? Like someone celebrates, like for me, the one that always comes to mind is the, like the day I quit drinking, right? Like the soberversary. There's like a day to celebrate a specific thing. For some people it's a wedding anniversary or something else, right? Like something that's really like, it is a milestone. It is a thing, a thing you can point to on the calendar and be like, I did this thing on this day and to kind of mark that in an ongoing way, which is lovely. It's it's like a, a great way to celebrate, but I'm interested in, I don't know, the what you just laid out, it's almost like a, a celebration of like identity evolution or a celebration of becoming more you or becoming more comfortable with the, the, and I don't even know even the, the right words, but there's something in that, that I feel like is really lovely because that type of stuff that maybe is less, less easy to throw a party for, right? I guess yeah, <laughs> doesn't get celebrated as much, and like I, I sometimes wonder if the things that are the most important to us often fly under the radar because they're they're just like a little bit more nebulous, but that doesn't mean that they're less important,
0: yeah yeah exactly like um I think you just put it perfectly i i don't think I could have put it any better myself um, like there's no day that I can point to on the calendar like oh, this is the anniversary that I you know, came out or like, this is the anniversary of the day that, you know, I became more comfortable in my skin. Like, I, I think I just think of like a bunch of different examples of things, you know, like the first time somebody invited me to like come to a queer Chinese New Year gathering, like I, you know, and feeling happy because I, I I was like, oh, like, you know, I'm considered to be part of this community. And, you know, I'm reaching out uh, or being invited to to be part of like a, a roundup of people to be included in, you know, this particular queer Asian-American writers, um, you know, just things like that are things I can point to. But I think overall, you know, my own level of comfort and. um is something that I can't mark on the calendar necessarily. Mm-hmm.
1: I'm also interested not just in kind of what we were talking about a moment ago of taking celebration from a specific thing into something that's a little bit more vague. I'm also interested in taking celebration from a really big loud thing into maybe a smaller daily thing. Like we hear celebration and it's really easy to think party, right? Or something along those lines. And I've been thinking about sort of daily ritual as celebration or maybe even as like marking passage of time. And I have no idea if what I'm about to say is accurate, but you strike me as someone who has like a daily rituals or to just seems to have like small magic in their life, or I guess that's my (laughs) perception of, you know, things that that you've shared. Um, Does that feel true for you?
0: Yeah. So I, I, I do have a lot of rituals and routines. I I must say, though, that a lot of them have gone out the window in this time with the pandemic and shelter in place. I find that it's really hard for me to continue with the rituals and routines, which is interesting because I would think that, you know, I, they would feel even more important in this time and I would want to lean on them even more because this time is so tumultuous and it's so hard to feel like these days have any structure or sense to them and so I would want to kind of do the things that make me feel like these days have structure but for some reason yeah I I'm having a really hard time relying on my old Rituals. So I think what I am doing mostly is kind of coming up with new routines, and the routines are a lot looser than the ones I had before. But I do have these kind of looser routines, and uh, and I and I find ways to to bring magic into my life that are not as kind of structured as they were before, such as, you know, I used to do these, like, I would do these specific prayers, and then I would do, like, these other specific prayers after that, and then I would journal over a specific amount of time, et cetera. Um, and now, you know, it's more like, well, I'll light this candle and then I'll, you know, spray this perfume and I'll write in my journal until I don't feel like writing in my journal anymore. And then I'll play this specific music so that I can work on my book. And, um, and then before I go to sleep, I'll, I'll look at this particular website, that has a lot of pretty pictures on it and um, stuff like that. So just kind of building back in things that feel like they have some structure, but that are much looser than what I did before.
1: Yeah. I mean, and I imagine that that felt disorienting to have like, Oh, these things that used to work or that used to make me feel good, maybe don't anymore. There are you know, I, that's, I can certainly relate to that. And also I think What you're saying is a good reminder that we can have different rituals, different routines, different structures, different little moments of celebration, like in accordance with different periods of our lives, because you don't need the same thing at any given time. You know, what you need when you're well might be different than what you need when you're ill and what you need in a pandemic is probably different than what you needed (laughs) before. And it's like saying that sounds silly almost and yet i often catch myself operating in a way where it's like i have to remind myself that i'm not a robot actually right that it's yeah. like very okay to have different needs you know season by season or week by week or day by day or project by project and it's i don't know there's like something in that i'm always really interested for myself in i don't think balance is the right word but sort of the interplay between like structure and spontaneity and you know mm-hmm. when is It, when is self, when is like discipline a form of self love, essentially, versus when does it feel too restrictive? And there's no, you know, capital R right answer to that, but it is, I actually find it helpful what you're saying because. That idea that, hey, maybe we do need something to be a little bit looser. Maybe we need structure, but it's like more gentle structure right now. And that's totally fine. And I think we can just give ourselves such a hard time of, you know, this story of what's wrong with me that I can't stick to my like pre pandemic routine. It's like nothing's wrong with you.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I mean, I think that what you said about, you know, you're not a robot. I'm not a robot. I think that makes, I mean, that's, it's true, but it's, it's also true that I think that humans, or at least I tend to forget that. I I just, I, I really kind of rack my brain sometimes to ask myself, like, why is this not working why why am I having such a hard time I think one of the most common things my therapist will say to me is wow you're going through a lot when I talk to her and and then I will take a moment and I'll have to review everything I've just told her and it often is bewildering to me because I'll have to I'll have to think like really like Am I really going through a lot? Because I thought I just wasn't coping very well. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, well, one of the many benefits of therapy, right? Someone to be like, excuse me, <laughs> knock, knock. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah. Yes. Oh, it's so beautifully relatable. A um, couple last questions that I would love to ask you um, on this subject of celebration or milestones. I know that we are in quite an uncertain time, but is there anything that is upcoming for you that you feel celebratory about?
0: You know, I really love celebrating my birthday and my birthday is coming up um, in June. And so that's something that I'm looking forward to.
1: Hmm. And then lastly, if you could leave our community, the listeners, with one call to action based on what we talked about today, what would it be? Maybe a question to ask themselves or a small action to take?
0: I would say... A small action to take is to write a letter, um, not an email, but an actual snail mail postal letter, in part because the USPS is having a hard time right now and we do not want it to go under um, a snail mail letter to someone um, celebrating them. Or something that they have done or are or something, you know, something that they are, um, such as a good friend or a wonderful mother or, um, you know, anything, anything to celebrate them.
1: I think that is beautiful. I will definitely do that today. I appreciate the (laughs) the nudge. What is the best place for people to find you and say hi? Do you have a particular favorite way these days to connect with new folks and or a recommended entrance point to your work for people who might not be familiar?
0: So, for people who aren't familiar with my work at all, I would recommend going to EsmeWang.com. Um, in terms of keeping up with me on a daily basis, I am very active on Instagram at Esme w. wang and on Twitter at EsmeWang. Yes, I
1: will put links to all of those lovely places in the show notes. Esme, thank you so much. Thank you so much, Nicole. And that's our show for today. Thanks so much for listening and for being part of the Real Talk Radio family. Speaking of the Real Talk Radio family, I want to give a huge shout out to Adam Day, my producer and sound engineer. Adam created the music for this show way back in 2015. And he has been working with me that whole time to make everything work and flow and sound way better than I ever could on my own. You can find him and his music and his sound editing work at adamday.net. So go say hi. And to everyone listening, if you want to join our Real Talk family, if you love the podcast, if you want to help keep it going, and if you want lots of bonus content plus other fun opportunities and extras, just go to patreon.com slash Nicole Antoinette to make your pledge of $1 or more per episode. Your financial support is what allows this show to continue. And I can't wait to get to know you better once you've joined our community. That'll be a lot of fun. So until next time, here's a big virtual hug. And a reminder that we're all just doing the best we can. And no matter what, we're in this together.